What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports podcast recording here Thursday morning, our first morning episode. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. I I goofed up and forgot that I had booked a ticket for the Marvels in IMAX tonight, and uh, both of us are busy with work, so we are here recording Thursday morning. We have a lot to talk about today, a lot of TCU basketball news, the Frogs, both the men and the women tipping off the 2023-2024 season on Monday with a couple of huge wins. We will talk about those. Uh, Early signing day was held this week. TCU football has a huge contest coming up on Saturday against number seven, Texas. So a full slate of TCU content to discuss as we get into our episode today. Anthony, what's going on down there in Texas? How are you doing this morning? Oh man, it's it's a rainy morning here. I like seeing that natural light come in your window there. It's normally we're we're yeah, I'm, I'm not in here. my I'm not in my dungeon. We you're, have a little cave. Of, uh, of light coming in here this morning. Yeah, man, it's it's all good. We um last night was my oldest eighth birthday, so we had big birthday celebration. He also had a soccer game, so it was a big fun night. And yeah, so our normal recording time we had to move to today. So appreciate your flexibility on that, but um. Yeah, that's what's been going on here is is all birthday season. So now we're finally kind of moving on into holiday season here mm-hmm. for me. It's it's a busy time, but uh, excited, really excited to talk about the, these basketball uh, performances, man. It's, it's fun to see the Frogs playing well, uh, perhaps a little less excited to talk about the football that we have coming up this weekend. Yeah, for sure. And this episode will be our first episode in a while where we don't feature football first, but with basketball tipping up on Monday and both the men's and women's teams having a lot of success, we have to hit on that first. So we'll get into that to start off this episode. Uh, Before we get into that though, this episode of course is brought to y'all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Go to charliehustle.com, get your TCU Horn Frog swag, t-shirts, hoodies, sweaters, more. Use the promo code FROGSAWAR, get 15% off all TCU items at charliehustle.com. We also have a promo code 101215 through our partnership with the 1012 Network. If you're interested in purchasing any other apparel on charliehustle.com, use the promo code TEN1215, get 15% off any non-sale items. Again, TCU basketball season is here. Get your Horn Frog swag, get out to Schollmeyer, support the Horn Frogs. Promo code Frogs O War get fifteen percent off all TCU items. All right, let's go it. Go ahead and get right into it. TCU men's basketball tipping off the season Monday evening with a non-conference game against Southern, and the Horn Frogs came out with a explosive effort, dominating this game one hundred eight to seventy five. The final score. Everybody got into the game. Everybody was getting involved. The team stats are terrific for TCU, shooting just over 61% from the field, 43.5% from three-point range. TCU finished the game with 28 assists as a team. That's a phenomenal stat. The Frogs were moving the ball extremely well. They forced 16 Southern turnovers on defense. There was a little bit of a slow start to this game. Southern actually had a, a lead about five or six minutes into the first half, but TCU really took over this game uh, halfway through the first half and then just ultimately rolled to a 33-point victory. TCU had 58 points in the paint, 
47 points off the bench, 24 fast break points, and 22 points off of turnover. So TCU doing a lot of things right collectively in this game to start off 1-0. Micah Peavy led the way individually. He had 21 points on 10 of 13 shooting, really efficient performance from the field for him. Emmanuel Miller had a team-high nine rebounds along with nine points. He was in the game uh, at the very end. I think he was hunting for that double-double, just fell a little bit short there, but uh, a good performance from him. Jacoby Coles got the start for TCU, 17 points and seven rebounds for him. Jameer Nelson, one of many transfers making their TCU debut on Monday. All-around great performance for Jameer, 14 points, five steals, to lead the defense, and then six assists as well. Avery Anderson, the Oklahoma State transfer, had 15 points, five assists, and then Trey Tennyson off the bench, the Corpus Christi transfer with 13 points. So collectively, a outstanding performance for TCU. Coach Dixon did mention after the game that the defense was maybe not what uh, he expected coming out. However, I think anytime you can break the century mark in a college basketball game, it's something to be excited for as TCU is 1-0. Their next game will be at home again against Omaha. It'll be a 7 o'clock tip-off time later today. So get out to Schollmeyer and support the Frogs as they look to go for 2-0. Anthony, any thoughts about this performance that we saw from the Frogs on Monday? Man, this was fun. What a what a game. I th- uh, this team is going to be uh, really exciting, I think. You know, it's you don't want to take too much away. We talked about how Southern is going to be at the bottom of, of all of Division One basketball this year. So, you know, probably, like like Coach Dixon said, probably not great that you were trailing for a period here, that you gave up 75 points to them. But I uh, love a lot of things here. You know, seeing Micah Peavy and Jacoby Coles in the starting lineup and for them to perform at a, a really, really high level, uh, you know, Micah Peavy to have the offensive output that he had, you know, we're, we're used to his, his defensive stopper ability and, and to, to go out there and put up 21 points. And he was, he was terrific. Uh, and, and Jacoby Coles with a, an absurd plus 38 on the game. I mean, when he was in the game, TCU was, was dominating everything. Uh, so that's, that's great to see the two of them getting that chance to start, to see them grow from, you know, somewhat support roles the last couple years into these starter roles where they are now a key piece of what TCU is going to do this season. Um, it's really great to see them take that opportunity and, and make the most of it. The other thing is, man, Avery Anderson and Trey Tennyson off the bench is, is very scary. Um, those guys can really play. Avery Anderson was particularly impressive, I think, in this game. I, every time he had the ball, it felt like something amazing was going to happen. He, uh, you know, the way he distributed, let's see, he had five assists on the game um, and 15 points. So, yeah, I, th- I think seeing these guys, um, th- these transfers come in and, and, really be a key piece as well. Um, it, it has hopes pretty high. You know, I think Ernest Uday not scoring was uh, unfortunate. He only played 12 minutes. So, you know, I think maybe he was getting a little rest or or maybe not getting a lot of runs. Xavier Cork had a pretty nice game, had a bunch of pretty spectacular dunks 
uh, on runouts. So, you know, a lot of the things that we have talked about that plagued this team a year ago, the poor three-point shooting, poor free-throw shooting, <coughs> things that are tend to be uh, not opponent-specific. You know, you, you don't make your free-throws because you're playing Southern. You make your free-throws because you make free-throws. So um, I think those are those are good things to see. And, uh, yeah, one and oh, it's a better start than it was last season, certainly. And, and look to see the Horn Frogs keep it rolling. Yeah. Coach Dixon had some comments after the game talking about Micah Peavy and how he has earned that starting two guard spot due to his defensive ability and the way that he's grown coming into his senior season. And, and he shot the three ball pretty well, I believe, against Texas Wesleyan in that exhibition game. In this game, he was more of a, a cutter slasher who's making a lot of great moves to the basket. But he's going to be a, a really key player for this offense. If he can show that growth from last year where he really struggled from the perimeter, if he can shoot three-pointers consistently this season, he might wind up being one of the better players in the conference because the defensive ability is there. He can cut to the rim. He can score at the rim. But if he can become a consistent shooter, that's going to be a, a whole nother animal for opponents when TCU comes to town. And having, like you said, Avery Anderson and Trey Tennyson off the bench, that's a great combination. Trey Tennyson with his shooting ability is a career 40 plus percent three point shooter. You pair that with a, a guy in Avery Anderson, who is a pure point guard with a lot of starting experience from his time at Oklahoma State. This team has legitimate nine to 10 man depth. Um, as you mentioned, the front court guys were somewhat quiet in this. Ernest Uday was pretty quiet in this game. Xavier Cork had a nice game off the bench, had that emphatic dunk that's been circulating on Twitter. I, I wouldn't be surprised if throughout this non-conference slate, there's a little bit of a competition to see what the the front court is going to look like going into Big 12 play. Um, Isam Mustafa, I think, only played limited minutes in this game like Ernest Uday and Xavier Cork is obviously the player who's most familiar with Coach Dixon and his system. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out as we get ready for Big 12 play, who's going to be uh, the starting big man at that time and who's going to be coming off the bench. But this team is legitimately 10 guys deep. And it's really exciting that a lot of these players have seemingly found their roles already. When you have so many new players coming in, it could be a challenge to figure out who's going to be starting, who's going to be coming off the bench, who's going to be running point, who's going to be <clears throat> your, your three-point shooters uh, playing on the perimeter. So offensively, this was a really nice performance from TCU. And again, we'll we'll see how the Frogs can build on this going into the game against Omaha this evening, which we will be uh, touching on, of course, when we record our upcoming weekend episode. For men's basketball, we also want to point out that early signing day was this week and pretty significant news for TCU as all four of the commits, three of them being four-star players, all signed early. So these guys are locked in. They're ready to go. It includes Micah Robinson, the four-star forward, David Punch, four-star forward, Malik Diallo, four-star center, and Ashton Simmons, the three-star combo guard. And this is all really important because Jamie Dixon did mention after this win over Southern that Jace Posey 
and Isaiah Manning, the two really talented true freshmen on the roster this year, are likely to redshirt, which it makes sense given how much veteran talent TCU has this year. But when you combine Posey, who's a four-star player, and Manning, who's a high three-star with these four early signees, uh, that's six players that are going to be almost certainly on your roster next year with a lot of talent. They're going to be very young, of course, but very talented and just very exciting for the future of this program. You know, you look at this roster right now, a lot of these guys are seniors or, you know, in the case of Chuck O'Bannon, borderline collecting AARP benefits given how long he's been around. But uh, there's going to be some turnover once this season comes to a close and to have a lot of these players locked up for the future is a huge sign for, for things to come. So uh, a shout out again, I know we've talked about this recruiting class already, number 11 class ranked nationally, huge kudos to Jamie Dixon and his staff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is big time. What is it? The 11th ranked nationally. I mean, that is crazy to think for TCU basketball, huge, coup here for for Jamie Dixon and you know I I think we've seen across the Big 12 where some of these big time recruiting classes come in and and contribute immediately um thus far Dixon hasn't really had that but it it's definitely looking like next year giving the roster roster turnover that we'll have um that these guys are probably going to come in and be at least a big piece of this team going forward. So um, just, you know, I think big things to come for, for TCU basketball, good signing day and uh, looking forward to seeing these guys in purple. And sticking with the basketball theme, we also have to hit on the TCU women's basketball team, which had a outstanding performance on Monday, Mark Campbell making his debut as head coach of the Horn Frogs. TCU takes down Oral Roberts 76 to 56. A pretty noteworthy thing from this game, all five starters were transfers. We talked about the number of new players that entered the program under Coach Campbell. Uh, Madison Connor from Arizona, she was unbelievable in this game. 30 points to go along with 11 rebounds. Led the team in rebounds, a double-double for her. Most points for a TCU women's basketball player in their debut in school history. So uh, a huge shout out to Madison Connor uh, for having a tremendous performance, shot the ball incredibly well. Sedona Prince, the six, seven transfer from Oregon was also dominant in this game, 15 points to go along with 10 rebounds and three blocks for a double double. I wouldn't be surprised if she averages anywhere from three to four blocks per game with that length and that size, she's going to be a menace for opposing teams in that painted area. Una Jovanovic from Cal State Fullerton, complimentary scoring and facilitating in this game. She had 11 points to go along with five assists. Jaden Owens, the Baylor transfer, was running point. She had seven assists to lead the team. And then Agnes Emma Anopu is going to be a huge part of this team as a two-way player. The Stanford transfer had seven points, five rebounds to go along with three steals. So five transfers coming in becoming one unit, and it seems that everybody has already figured out what their role is going to be on both ends of the floor. So TCU getting a 20-point win over Oral Roberts. TCU shot 44% roughly from the field, 39% from three-point range, 28 points in the paint, 
and 14 second chance points. So all around big win for TCU. Congratulations to Mark Campbell. First win as head coach of the Horn Frogs and TCU actually did play last night against Texas A&M Kingsville. Got a huge win there. We're not going to have time to hit on that in this episode. However, we will be touching on that when we record our weekend episode this coming Sunday. So again, a big shout out to the women's basketball team coming out and getting a big win. Uh, both programs. It was an exciting day of basketball at Schulmeyer. Both programs coming out with big wins. Anthony, any thoughts on uh, what you saw from the women's team in this game over Oral Roberts? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I watched most of this game. This was a, a terrific game. Super fun. Uh, this team is going to be very, very exciting this season. I, I'm I'm really pumped for them. It's a program that TCU fans probably haven't followed a whole bunch in the last uh, few years. And probably, frankly, at, at Frogs of War, we, we haven't talked about them as much. But I think that this is... Uh, it's a really exciting team, and I think we'll continue to cover them pretty closely going forward because they're doing big-time things. I mean, watching Madison Connor in this game, man, she was she was terrific. Like, making everything happen, rebounding, scoring, uh, draining threes, uh, distributing. I, just a... You know, I, I don't know if our expectations were this. I think we, we had pretty high expectations for these transfers, uh, particularly Sedona Prince comes in with a big name. She's a, a pretty well-known player nationally for NIL reasons and for her time at Oregon. But um, Madison Connor put on a show. She just dazzled. Um, Sedona Prince did her thing, had to sit out for a, a pretty good portion of this with some foul trouble early, but then didn't foul again the rest of the game. So uh, just a very, very good basketball player. You can see the basketball intelligence out there too. With the, these, This team has, uh, you know, the way that they move the ball to each other, um, tenacious defense, just like crashing the boards. It's, um, it's a style of basketball that, you know, any basketball fan can get behind. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who, who might just shrug at women's basketball in general, and you just, you really shouldn't because, this is uh, this is a lot of fun, and and they they play a really exciting, uh, skilled version of basketball. And and yeah, in addition to Connor, I mean, Jade Owens coming in at point guard. You know, Mark Campbell was spoke extremely high of her coming into the season as you know maybe one of the best point guards in the country in the conference. So uh, she came out with seven assists. Really, this this starting lineup is is very strong and it, it's the same kind of thing on the men's side where it's like how much do you take away from a win over oral run oral roberts um there's going to be more challenging days ahead um but it's it's going to be fun to follow this team for sure yeah you certainly have to start somewhere looking at this non-conference schedule and seeing the opponents tcu women uh will be facing this year there are a couple of potential tough ones nebraska is on there but if tcu plays like this and plays the way they played against Texas A&M Kingsville last night. It's very, it's very possible that they could go undefeated over the non-conference slate, which would be a tremendous accomplishment for coach Campbell and his staff again in their first year at TCU. And as we get into this non-conference basketball schedule for both the men and the women, we're going to have a lot of basketball content 
coming up on the on the Frogs Up podcast and also on our website at frogsofwar.com as we you know get toward the end of this TCU football season. So basketball fans, be ready. There's going to be a lot of TCU Horn Frog basketball content coming your way. But we do have to transition here to football momentarily because, yes, we have a huge game coming up this weekend at Amon G. Carter Stadium, Saturday, 6.30 kickoff, nationally televised game on ABC. TCU taking on the seventh-ranked Texas Longhorns, who are looking to make a run at not only a Big 12 championship, but also a potential college football playoff berth. We've seen Oklahoma have their hopes dashed in losses to uh, Kansas and Oklahoma State. Texas right now, the highest ranked team in the conference. This is a, a game where I immediately think back to 2021 with Baylor in the top 10 coming to Fort Worth against a underachieving TCU football team. At that time, there was a different circumstance with Gary Patterson parting ways. Jerry Kill was his first game as the interim head coach. And Chandler Morris comes out, has the game of his life. TCU comes away with an enormous upset, and Baylor's college football playoff hopes are dashed with that enormous upset. And here we are again in 2023. We have another underachieving TCU football team, and Texas is going to be coming in looking to continue to win and secure a spot not only in the Big 12 title game, but potentially in the college football playoff. So this game, there's going to be a lot on the line. Texas is favored by, I want to say only nine and a half points was the last time I checked, but there's there's reason for that. You know, TCU has been very good against the Longhorns since coming into the Big 12. TCU eight and three against Texas since coming into the Big 12. And there are some very fond memories that we share of TCU defeating Texas since coming into the Big 12. We'll hit on that in a few minutes, just reflecting on some of our favorite memories. But, you know, for me, looking at this game, there's, there's going to be a question about who starts at quarterback for Texas. Obviously, Quinn Ewers is still a little bit banged up with that AC joint injury. He hasn't played the last couple of games. There's a chance that he plays against TCU this weekend, but there's also a chance that we see Malik Murphy, the backup quarterback who has played over the last couple of games and done some nice things, but has also been prone to turning the ball over a little bit. So that's going to be a storyline to watch which quarterback takes the field for Texas. And, you know, for TCU defensively, you did really well against Quinn Ewers last season. I think Quinn Ewers completed only about 40% of his passes last year. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a little bit of a track record of success there. I'm not exactly sure which quarterback I'd rather see, to be honest, given how underwhelming TCU's defense has been this year. But it's going to be a storyline to keep our eyes on as we get closer and closer to Saturday evening. Meanwhile, for uh, the TCU offense, this is going to be a really tough test. Texas is a tremendous defensive team. That defensive line is outstanding and Gosh, I'm trying to think of what what this offense can do to win this game. I really think, you know, I I brought up 2021 and Chandler Morris had the game of his life against Baylor. How he did it was he made big time throws down the field. 
He was able to avoid pressure. He was able to scramble for big gains. TCU didn't turn the ball over too much, I believe, in in that game against Baylor, but they did just enough offensively in terms of finding big plays and escaping the pressure. Those are things Josh Hoover is going to have to do this weekend. I know Coach Dykes has said Chandler Morris is getting healthier. I still have to believe Josh Hoover is the starting quarterback until further notice. I'm anticipating Josh Hoover will be the starter for this game. And look, he he did throw for 439 yards and four touchdowns against BYU. So he's, he's shown big game potential at least, but this is a whole nother level. I mean, he's, he's going to have to have a Chandler Morris Baylor esque performance. If TCU is going to win this game, at least that's my opinion given where these two teams stand right now, but you know, Anthony, what are, what are your, just your overall thoughts on this matchup and how TCU could fare against this Texas team? And ultimately how can TCU win this football game? Yeah, this Texas team is, is feels different than the Texas teams of the last decade plus that TCU has gone up against in the big 12. Um, just because it is built so, so strong on the front uh, and defensive lines. It's a physical team. It is. This is not the diva teams that brings in, uh, you know, their five-star talents that are actually don't much care to play football. Um, this, this is a, a serious football team. And yeah, it, I think it is big time challenge for this offensive line uh for TCU is is probably going to have the toughest time of of the day because i mean <laughs> the defensive front for Texas these are NFL guys these are you know top of college football type performers that somehow that TCU offensive line that has not been able to really prevent anyone from getting through uh, to the quarterback is going to have to try to slow down. I don't know that it's going to happen. It's going to take some scheming magic from Kendall Bryles. It's going to take some uh, Josh Hoover magic escaping that pressure and delivering balls on target out of that pressure. I think uh, it 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 is going to be a very very tall task for that offensive line. And on the other side of the ball, I mean, pretty much every player on Texas is is going to be really good. I mean, Texas's run game is one of the best in the conference, one of the best in the country. Jonathan Brooks um, has been elite. C.J. Baxter, the true freshman, has been uh, terrific in his role, kind of spelling Brooks for a breather. Uh, and while the offensive line have, has given them plenty of room to to run and roam through defenses. So given how poorly TCU has played against the run uh, the last two games, it's hard to imagine Jonathan Brooks being held in check here. I think it's, it, there will be uh, some, there will have to be an extreme improvement in tackling and in scheme to to hold those guys down and even if you do then you've got to deal with AD Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and Jatavian Sanders and Jordan Whittington and those 
big and or super fast receivers that, you know, I, I would like to think that Josh Newton will hold his own on one side of the field. Avery Helm will be able to somewhat hold his own on the other side of the field. Uh, but this is, this looks to be a game where, uh, it's a Jatavian Sanders game. It does he come out and, and catch a bunch of balls over the middle and break through the, the arm tackles of those safeties in the middle of the field. Um, because you know, the, we've talked a lot about the missed tackles and, and that safety group has the, the leading missed tackles, uh, on the team are all of the three safeties, Perry and Bradford and Clark, um, all have double digit missed tackles on the season and, uh, are the three, I guess, worst defenders, um, for that stat for TCU. And, and it's, you know, I think, Sanders had an opportunity last season to be the guy and had a couple drops. Um, you know, if he has cleaned up his drops, same with Xavier Worthy. If he's cleaned up his drops, um, both of them had opportunities in that big game in Austin last year uh, to to make things happen that just didn't happen. So, you know, for TCU, it's going to take mistakes from Texas, which they've been prone to mistakes this season. If it, if it is Malik Murphy, he's already thrown three interceptions in his two starts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's been a capable at managing the offense for the most part, but they've been hit by the turnover bug. They've been hit by the unable to score points in the red zone bug like TCU has this season as well. Um, Texas is is down there at at the bottom of the rankings with the Horn Frogs in that stat and you know so if if the TCU defense is able to as it is intended bend and not break uh and then the offense hits some explosives maybe maybe you find something there um you know it it feels a little bit like we're grasping at straws for positives for TCU in this one just because there's been so few positives for TCU this season and Texas has been uh, quite good uh, across the board this year. I mean, obviously this team went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. So despite its loss in the Red River game in Dallas, this is a very, very good football team. Um, And TCU will have to you know, work some magic and, and TCU has been able to do that against Texas. And, you know, I think some of the, uh, the, the Texas-ness of this, of where TC, or Texas can sometimes fall flat on its face when the expectations are so large. Part of that is being Texas, the expectations are always large, no matter whether you're actually good or actually, uh, mediocre everyone in burnt orange expects you to win the national championship every year. Um, so living up to that expectation is, is not realistic, but you know, Texas, uh, there was a lot of talk last week about for Texas's game versus Kansas state of, Oh, this is the game. Texas usually loses. This is the time when Texas drops a game. And I disagree with that. That was a game. Texas was going to have a hundred percent of its focus. That was a game they had to have to stay alive in the Big 12 championship race because Kansas State was its number one competitor for that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that Oklahoma has taken a loss, now that they've gotten that big win 
over over Kansas State. Texas, this is the game. The game against TCU every year is the game that Texas loses. Uh, this is this is the game where Texas takes his takes its eye off the ball and loses that bit of perspective. I mean, you've seen the entire fan base freak out about being ranked in the college football playoff ranking uh, a spot different from Oregon and how, you know, if if that kind of, uh, if that's the thing that the actual team is worried about, um, you know, whether a first week of November playoff committee ranking has you seven or eight or six or five, you're not focused on playing this game in Fort Worth on Saturday. So, you know, I, maybe that's just something that fans care about and the players are, you know, are going to come out and, and do their thing. Uh, certainly possible. But I, I think that's where TCU might have that slim chance here is, hey, catch them sleeping a little bit. And we also need to see how excited. Sonny Dykes likes to say that a lot. We're, we need to be excited to play. And and if TCU can't get up and get out of bed and be excited to play this game at home, where TCU's been good at home this year, 3-1 and one at home versus 1-4 and four on the road, playing at Amon G. Carter, which is going to be almost certainly a full stadium against a top-10 team, if you can't be excited to play that game, then there's something seriously wrong. But you look at this rivalry – this this matchup TCU and Texas since the Frogs entered the Big Twelve eight and three as I mentioned before and there have been a lot of great moments for for TCU and you know we're gonna have a, a roundtable coming out here in the next day or so uh, where we as a staff at Frogs of War uh, shared some of our favorite memories from this TCU Texas matchup and we wanted to share them because as we know Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC after this year. This may be the last time TCU and Texas play each other for a very long time, if not ever. And so, you know, for me, there are a few memories that come up. I think back all the way to 2013 when I was a sophomore at TCU, and this is when Mac Brown is still the head coach of Texas, and they had a game in Fort Worth, which was delayed by, I want to say, three hours or so because of just, it was torrential downpour all night. and there were hardly anyone in the stadium. The student section was still pretty full and the the bleachers were just soaked and we were finding ways to have fun in the bleachers, using them as a slip and slide, you know, sliding up and down. And I was sick as a dog the next morning. So probably wasn't my wisest decision there, but that was a fun little moment uh, for me during that 2013 season, which was a pretty forgettable year for TC football as a whole. I think back to 2015, when I was a senior and TCU just came out and crushed Texas 50 to seven is the final score of that one. Trevon Boykin had five touchdown passes, Cavante Turpin, Josh Doxson, they combined for six touchdown reception, just went scorched earth against the Longhorns. I think they combined for almost 300 receiving yards, just the two of them. And that's, I think that's the most lopsided win that TCU has had over Texas since joining the conference. So that's a, a memorable one for me too. Recent history, we can't forget the Max Duggan rushing touchdown his freshman season, wearing the the black and red uniforms. Get your frogs up, right? Yeah, get I your loved frogs it. up, clinching, clinching 
that win over Texas with that big touchdown run. And that's on the broadcast when they said, you know, Max, Max Duggan is here. And that, that was his first really huge play as a starting quarterback for TCU. And then the, the defensive stand, I believe it was the following season where it's 33 to 31 TCU wins the game. And Mm -hmm. Texas looks like they're driving into the red zone. They're, they're about to score and at the goal line. They fumble, yeah. They they fumble the ball at the one yard. I think it was Joseph Broadnax who who recovered that fumble, uh, or it might have been Corey Bethley. He's one of those defensive tackles that just fell on the football right outside of the end zone. And Garrett Wallow on the stop. TCU gets away with a, a huge. I just remember everyone going crazy when that happened. It just looked like the the situation was so dire, and the defense came up with one of the biggest plays they've made really over the last few years. So for me, those are some of the memories that stand out. I'm sure, you know, if I thought long and hard about it, there'd be a lot more, but th- those are the big ones that stand out to me. Anthony, for you, what are your favorite moments or favorite memories from this matchup TCU in Texas since TCU has been in the big 12? Yeah, a lot of fun ones. I mean, that 2015 game was, was wild in the way that just TCU was completely dominant from day one, the game was over by the end of the first quarter. Maybe after like two drives, the game was over. TCU was just a much, much better football team that day. Um, I think that might be the one where Texas players were tweeting about transferring and quitting football at halftime, like from the locker room. Uh, Great stuff. Uh, Maybe, maybe my favorite game that is one that I didn't even watch live or wasn't even at so the the 2012 game i was on my honeymoon we were we were in uh dominican republic and uh didn't watch the game at all but loved that it came on that that thanksgiving it's uh you know after that texas decided that they were not going to play tcu on thanksgiving uh much more and that was that was the end of that but um yeah, that that it came after a bye week was the key thing there. Yes, I had a fall wedding um, and shame on me. And and I know there are the corners of college football Internet that will say that's the worst thing you could possibly do in the world. So, yes, but it was on a TCU bye week. So it was acceptable, um, but got to return from a honeymoon to watch the uh, Longhorn Network showing replays of the Longhorns getting uh, bested by TCU in TCU's first season in the Big 12, which was, you know, for for years and years, every Texas fan would just, oh, TCU, your success doesn't mean anything because if you were in the Big 12, you could not last in the day-to-day grind. And in it, in the first season in the conference, TCU goes to Austin and beats them on Thanksgiving. So, Haha. Ha. Um I, I think I think I think 2014 is probably my actual favorite of the game just because it meant so much to TCU. TCU was in pushing for the playoff, uh pushing for a conference championship and went in there and smacked him. Josh Doxson just totally dominating the the defensive backfield that, you know, Texas at least at the time liked to claim itself as DBU. And Josh Doxson just ate their lunch um, in in front of all of the the Austin faithful out there. So yeah, pretty much 
every time they play, it's generally a pretty fun time for TCU fans. Even, even in like the 2021 loss, TCU was really close in that one. Uh, you know, so it's, it will be sad to lose this game because it means so much to a lot of people to beat Texas every year. Um, you know, you, you have that game on the schedule that, you know, is, well, this is, this is a, a guaranteed win 80% of this, a 70 plus percent of the time for us. And, uh, and it, it will make everyone really mad that, that Texas loses to TCU every year. So it's a bummer to lose that game. Texas gets to go take its itself to the SEC and see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll miss having this game on the schedule. Obviously, everyone who is a TCU fan probably has connections to the Texas Longhorns, or at least you know somebody who is unfortunately a fan of the Texas Longhorns. So it, it does always mean a lot to go win this game. Um, and hopefully TCU can can kick the Longhorns out of the conference with a loss here. And that will segue nicely into our predictions here. And as usual, I'm going to predict TCU to win by the slimmest of margins. I have TCU winning this game 31 to 30. Again, it's going to take a lot. I mean, offensively, you've shown a, a lack of dedication to running the football over the last few weeks. You haven't done it very well. Josh Hoover is averaging 51 pass attempts per game since taking over the starting quarterback job for the injured Chandler Morris. Josh Hoover is going to have to have a incredible, incredible may not even be enough, but he's going to have to have a monster game. He's shown that he can do it. And look, you're TCU, you're four and five. You lose the game, you fall to four and six. Your season is on life support. You're playing at home. Last time you're going to play Texas, potentially a chance to go ruin their season. It's one thing to ruin another team season. It's another thing to ruin Texas's season. And if these players can't come out and be excited and energized to play this game, there's something seriously wrong with the program. And I think TCU is going to come out and maybe I'm being painfully optimistic here, but I just have a feeling TCU is going to come out and find a way to make this happen. So 31 to 30 is my final score prediction for this game. And, and, and I'm, I want TCU to ruin Texas' season. I, I would want nothing more with the way the season has gone to have some some positive to come out of this in what could maybe be the biggest positive of the whole season if TCU can win this game. So 31 to 30, that's my final prediction here. Yeah, I, I hear you on the, if you can't get up for this game, what are you doing? Um, I think you probably could have said that about the Texas Tech game when you've got your whole season on the line and your chance at, at bowl eligibility. Um, you probably could have said that about the Kansas State game when you still had conference title implications potentially on the line. Uh, you could have said that about the Colorado game when you're coming off of a national championship embarrassment. Uh, I'm not sure that TCU is going to show that. Uh, you know, I'd love, I, like you say, nothing would make TCU fans and probably most of college football happier than seeing TCU win this game and send Texas back to, uh, it, and it would, it would guarantee that TCU will be the only, continue to be the only 
team from the Big 12 and from Texas to have gone to the college football playoff and won a game. Uh, I think, you know, Texas is obviously still very much alive in that conversation for the moment, but a loss to TCU would end all hopes of that for, for the Longhorns. So it's, it's certainly big stakes uh, for, for all parties involved, but I, I just, when it comes to prediction, my optimism has been uh, wiped away this season. <laughs> I, I, I've lost the ability to think that that's how it's going to go. If I'm giving a, an honest prediction here, my honest prediction is that Texas wins this game and wins it pretty handedly. Um, the prediction I'll give in the round table is a 38 to 13 win for the Longhorns, uh, where I, I just don't know how TCU's offense gets to 30 points against this Texas defense. I think the way to get to your 31 point margin, I mean, TCU is going to have to find defensive scores. TCU will maybe have to find special team scores that it hasn't really been able to generate with Darius Davis creating touchdowns in the, in the NFL for the chargers now. Um, so I, I think it would, it would take big time mistakes from Texas to get to that 30 point threshold for TCU. And I, I think Texas is very susceptible to those mistakes and very much could make that happen. Uh, but I think in all likelihood, Texas still similar to the way TCU went into Austin last year with everything, including a national championship up for grabs, uh, Texas comes into this game and maybe TCU hangs around for a little bit, but eventually, uh, I, I continue to think that Adani Mitchell is the most important player on this team, that he was the number one transfer addition in the conference, maybe in the country. And he is the difference maker in this game and for this Texas team this season. Um, you know, they've had lots of talented guys come through there and who are there on this roster right now. But adding him is such a, he's just so consistent. And, you know, if, if it's J Josh Newton chasing him around all day, great that just means Avery Helm is going to have to somehow keep up with with Xavier Worthy and that's man there's just there's just too many ways that this team can cut TCU and too many ways that TCU can allow themselves to be cut so I've got the Longhorns taking this and walking away into their new SEC future uh at least having one final scoreboard if not a big 12 overall scoreboard over the Horn Frogs and we'll ultimately see what happens on Saturday. Again, it's a 6.30 kickoff, nationally televised game on ABC. Get out to Amon G. Carter Stadium. Wear your purple. TCU going with the all-purple uniforms. Uh, they, they put out the social media teaser with the purple Lamborghini in the background. TCU going with the all-purples for the first time this year. And we will see what happens in this game and also in the Big 12. There are a lot of games going on in conference play this weekend. And I think the first time, this might be the first time all season where we've had games at four different times. We have a morning game between Texas Tech and Kansas in Lawrence, 11 a.m. on FS1. Uh, a couple afternoon games, 
Baylor at Kansas State. This is the dreaded ESPN Plus slot, uh, 2 p.m. kickoff in Manhattan. Oklahoma State hitting the road to take on UCF at 2.30. That'll be on ESPN. Six o'clock game, we have West Virginia at Oklahoma. This might be a, I think this is going to be the most interesting game outside of TCU Texas for me. Uh, if West Virginia can go on the road and somehow hand Oklahoma its third consecutive loss and stay in the mix for a Big 12 title game spot, that'll be interesting to watch. 6 p.m. kickoff on Fox. Cincinnati goes to Houston. Another 6 p.m. kickoff. That'll be on FS1. And then we have some, it's not Pac-12 after dark. We have some Big 12 after dark at 9.15 as Iowa State goes to take on BYU. And that'll be on ESPN as well. So Brett Yormark is probably very happy looking at the slate of games with games kicking off at four different times. We've got morning, we've got afternoon, we've got evening, and we've got some Big 12 after dark. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Quick thoughts on this slate of games and just early impressions on some of these matchups. I think this week in the Big 12 might have some surprises. You know, if it doesn't come from the game in Fort Worth, I think there's there's a chance here that uh, one of these ranked teams takes a loss that everyone thinks that it shouldn't. Um, in in our staff picks, I've fallen a bit behind, so I'm I'm attempting to catch up by picking some of those upsets. Uh, but I think there is a, a chance that UCF at home in Orlando takes down Oklahoma State. I think that's very much on the table. I think that. Texas Tech is getting a little bit better. I think they're still a worse team than Kansas, but with Baron Morton uh, at quarterback back, I think that it's a it's a better team than it was earlier in the season, and and could certainly go to Lawrence and pull a stunner there. And and yeah, I mean, I think although West Virginia is a pretty heavy underdog in Norman, I. I I think that that's going to be a pretty interesting game. Like you say, I think it could be a fun one. So I think these, these big 12 favorites where the conference has all these teams in the rankings and, and is looking really strong. I don't know. Watch out. I I think there's going to be a little more chaos this week than, than you might think given that all of the ranked teams are playing unranked conference foes. So I, I think it'll be a really fun week in the conference. And like you say, you, you get to spend all day with the Big 12, starting from, you know, the the morning kickoff all the way through the, the late night cap. So it should be a fun week. Yeah, and no, I, I have a weird feeling about Iowa State and BYU for some reason. Um, I think I picked Iowa State to win this game, but I picked Iowa State last week and they, they let me down against Kansas at home and Something about a 9-15 kickoff uh, in Provo could spell a little bit of trouble for the Cyclones, even though I did pick Iowa State for this game. I'm not sure if Keaton Slovis is going to be healthy for this game. I don't think he played last week, so um, that's going to hurt the Cougars if he doesn't play. But uh, who who knows in college college football sometimes strange things can happen. So it's going to be a great weekend in the Big 12, and we're going to continue to Recap all of the football results in the Big 12 at frogsofwar.com and on the Frogs Up podcast here. So uh, if y'all haven't checked out Austin McGee and his Big 12 recaps on frogsofwar.com, please do so. He does a tremendous job covering that for us. And we're getting to the end of our podcast here. We just have a couple more 
items to hit on. Uh, TCU football had four players invited to participate in the East-West Shrine Bowl this year. This is one of the annual senior showcases. Well, it's not really senior anymore because they just passed the rule that's going to allow juniors to play in these games for whatever reason. I don't really get that at all. You know, these, these games are for the senior players who may not get the opportunity at the combine or anywhere else to get noticed. But nevertheless, there are four Horn Frogs, Brandon Coleman, Jared Wiley, Josh Newton, and Mark Perry, who have been invited to participate in this game. TCU had a couple players invited to play in this game last year. I can't remember exactly who it was, but uh, this is yeah, one I think of many. Trey Tomlinson and maybe <laughs> Alana Lee. Yeah, I, I think you know you have the Senior Bowl, which there were several TCU players in that. I'm sure there'll be more in this game. There's the the East West Shrine Bowl. I think there's one other game that maybe Amari DiMercato and mm-hmm. Alana Lee played. I, I can't remember, but nevertheless, it's a a good opportunity for these players to get some more tape out there in front of NFL scouts as uh, they get a little bit of a head start on the 2024 NFL draft. So congratulations to those four seniors who will be uh, hopefully participating in that game, getting another chance to represent the Horn Frogs there. And then our final item this morning, I was about to say this evening, I had to correct myself there. Uh, TCU soccer, we talked about, the Horn Frogs bowing out of the Big 12 tournament in the early going, losing to UCF and TCU being a bubble team for the College Cup. The selection show was broadcast on Monday, and unfortunately, TCU soccer will not be participating in the NCAA tournament this year. So TCU ultimately finishing with a 10-6-3 overall record, going 6-2-2. Two in the Big 12 regular season, finishing third in the conference during the regular season. Uh, A disappointing finish, for sure, for for head coach Eric Bell and the Horned Frogs. This is a really talented team that I think just left some some results out there. A couple tough non-conference results, Butler being one of them, and then just not finishing the season on the highest of notes. You draw Houston, you lose to Texas, you lose to UCF. I think you had eight second half goals allowed over those three matches. So just a really tough finish for TCU and unfortunate that this team is, is not going to be able to continue its uh, journey into the postseason. Yeah. I mean, they had every opportunity played a really uh, tough non-conference schedule, lost games to top seeds, Florida state, Penn state. Um, you know, I think you're okay losing those games, but losing to Butler, drawing with UAB, drawing with Houston, the way that you lost to UCF and to Texas, um, you know, and, and the even the draw at BYU, you, you had every chance to have won those games and to kind of fall on the wrong side of those results it's it's unfortunate that it's kind of hard to believe that finishing third in a pretty stacked big 12 doesn't get you into the tournament, but um, I think it's somewhat fair and it's unfortunate for, for this Horn Frogs team. And uh, we'll see what they, they bring back next year. And looks like with the, the early signing day for soccer, they've brought in a bunch of uh, freshman talent as well coming in for next year. So should be, right back in the thick of things and, and one of the top teams in the conference again next year, but um, hopefully can put together the results that 
put some more wins in the win column and uh, take some of those marquee matches over those big teams. It's great to schedule those teams. And sometimes it's okay to get a draw against those good teams, but uh, putting some big time wins on the board next season would, would go a long way into starting a new streak of reaching the NCAA tournament. Yeah, a lot of signing day news for TCU, not just TCU men's basketball and TCU soccer, but several other programs, uh, men's golf, women's golf, men's tennis, beach baseball, volleyball. Baseball, baseball with like, they, they were like third five. in the, com- yeah, top five in the country signing class. I mean, big time, big time stuff for, for those programs. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And congratulations to all of the, all of the prep players who finalized their commitments to TCU and as we always say, Fort Worth is a great place to be, and, and TCU is a great place to be. So uh, exciting to see all of that news pop up on on social media this week as uh, we will get ready to transition out of here this morning. That is everything we have for our midweek edition of the Frogs Up TC Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We will be back in a few days here Sunday to recap the Texas football game. Hopefully we are talking about a win. We will also have more men's basketball and women's basketball items to hit on as the men's team will be playing against Omaha this evening. And we will also talk about the women's team's victory over Texas A&M Kingsville. And we will also recap the results of week 11 in the big 12 conference for football. Hard to believe that we're already getting close to the end of the regular season here, but as they say, time flies when you are having fun. And so uh, we'll have another big episode coming up on Sunday here on Frogs Up. And for those who want to continue to follow us uh, online and support us online at frogsofwar.com, be sure to follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Frogs of War and continue to read our content at frogsofwar.com where we continue to cover everything going on with TCU sports, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, volleyball, and more. With that, I think we will sign off for today and we will sign off with Frogs Up. Thumbs up.